We want to welcome those who are worshiping with us on LiveGate Outreach TV and on our audio channels in Buzzsprouts and Apple Podcasts. I want to trust God that as you are hearing these words and God is doing something new in our lives, so you will experience where you are in Jesus' name. Somebody who followed us on social media sent me a private message. Those of us who pray in the morning would have heard this. Sent me a private message and said, Pastor, she doesn't know me. I don't know her, but she's been following us for some months now. I see that she follows our postings. Uh, She's in the country of Nigeria. And she said, Pastor, pray for me. I need a life partner. And it struck, I mean, I get a lot of messages from time to time, and I just simply say, God bless you, and leave it at that. But this one touched me, touched me. I went into her profile, and I looked, and I saw that this is a child of God. It's a child of God. And I remember Jesus said, ought not this daughter of Abraham be loose from this infirmity? So friends, I'd like you to stand in prayer with me when you pray. Pray for that lady. Just say, Lord, that lady, that young lady that is really in need of a life partner, that the Lord will answer her prayer in righteousness. You see, the challenge now is finding a godly person. There are many people available. But to find a godly person that is ordained by God to be your partner is becoming more and more of a challenge in our day and age. So we need to keep praying for our youngsters and people who are due to be married, that God will open the windows of heaven for them in the name of Jesus. So please stand in the gap with me. And if you are hearing this message today also, just know that the church is praying for you. And the Lord will cause you to soon rejoice in Jesus' name. We have been on a series on the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. We started last week and the banner can be put up now. And we are on the second of that session which is enjoying the quickened soul enjoying the quickened soul we started with uh, the quickened spirit just last week as you can see on the banner we're just scaling down as we come down to the new topic so we are on the quickened soul today and it's important for us to understand what God wants us to learn about this very important uh, aspect of his word Romans chapter 8 verse 11, the Bible says, But if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We read that in King James last week, and then we said the word uh, give life, the words give life also means quicken your mortal bodies. Quicken your mortal bodies. Because the word quicken is used in the original King James Version of the Bible to mean revive, to mean to make alive, to revive or to make alive. And this is very important, very, very important. So it is important for us to continue to be reminded of the fact that man is a spirit. Somebody say man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. This is how when we say we are spirit, soul, and body, we should understand. We are essentially a spirit. We are spirit beings. Like God is spirit. We are spirit beings. We are created in his image and after his likeness. So man who is a spirit, having a soul and living in a body, must understand his tripartite nature. 
So we said last week that God is the one who gives life to that spirit. When that spirit is given life to, it becomes born again. Everyone who is born into this world and is not born again yet has a spirit, but that spirit has no eternal life. That spirit is not alive. It is when the spirit gets born again, who the Bible says that he who has son has he who has the son has life. He who has Jesus Christ has life. That's when that spirit begins to live. Now that spirit that is alive also needs to have a quickened soul. It needs to have a revived soul. Otherwise, his soul will only be living in the realm of the carnal, the realm of the natural, and of course be susceptible to sin and nothing but sin. But when a spirit man is born again, then the soul also needs to constantly be transformed. Hallelujah. And so it is important for us to realize this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 and 24 makes us to know. Let's read them together. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I would like us to read that very carefully. The Bible says, may the God of peace himself. And I, I stopped when I was reading this very recently. Why not the God? Now, we know God expresses, we have looked at the names of God many times in this, in this church. And we know that there is God, Jehovah, Mikadesh, who is our sanctifier. Why didn't he say, the God, our sanctifier, sanctify you? That would have been more like the logic. Or the God, our righteousness, Jehovah, Sidkenu. Why didn't he say, may the God, your righteousness himself, sanctify you completely? Because you are already saved and sanctified. But you must understand that even though you have been separated unto the Lord, what you need is the manifestation of the God of peace in your spirit man, in your soul, and in your body. And that may God continue to be helping you to be preserved blameless. That is helping you to remain holy unto the coming of the Lord. Now, holiness is the nature of God. It doesn't mean that we are wearing a pious look and dressing in a certain way. It doesn't mean that we have a kind of language that we, we humorously call Christianese. Where you can talk scripture and talk those things that make you look holy. Now, some of those things are expressions of holiness, but that's not the real thing. The real expression of holiness is in living this peaceful life. Living this kind of life that is devoid of all the turmoils and the pains of, of the life that we now live, living under the banner of the Most High God. And so he said, may he, that God of peace, preserve you. So what he wants in your spirit is for you to have a spirit that is not troubled. What he wants in your soul is for you to have a soul that is beyond trouble and beyond all the kind of uh, onslaught of wickedness that is in our day and age. And the same with your body. He said, may he who is the God of peace himself sanctify you, separate you, so that your whole spirit, soul, and body will be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. We know that when the Lord comes, everything, the Bible says, shall be made new. At that point, there will be no more sin. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more sickness. So, but between now and then, we will keep fighting the challenges of the torments to our soul. 
We will keep fighting the challenges that the enemy wants to use to buffet our bodies. We will keep finding ourselves in situations and circumstances that would warrant us to continue to rely on the sanctification that is brought about by the God of peace. Hallelujah. And so verse 24 says, He who calls you is what? Faithful. And he will also do what? Do it. The will there means that he will continue to do it. So every kind of sanctification you need, every kind of deliverance you need, every kind of separation you need from the world and the challenges of the world of today, God who called you into holiness, God who called you into sanctification, into righteousness, will continue out of his faithfulness to continue to do it. And so that is why the Bible says you and I must be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So it is important that we realize now, the same way the man is a tripartite nature, the soul itself is also a tripartite nature. In our soul lies, say with me, our willpower. In our soul lies our intellect. Somebody say our intellect. And in our soul lies our emotions. Somebody say our emotions. So whether it is the will or the intellect or our emotions, we must understand that these are essential parts of our soul that also need to be sanctified, that also need to be quickened. So I want to start with the very first one, the will. This is the decision-making center of a person. It is in your will that you take decisions. That is why the Bible talks about willing to do. You will. It is in your will that you decided to be saved. That is why when the Holy Spirit introduced Jesus to you, he went for your will, suggested to your will. The grace of God is always looking for the will of man. He didn't come to you to give you joy first, to make your emotions joyful. No, he didn't come to give you those things first. What he came to do was to appeal to your will. The grace of God for salvation has appeared to all men and is teaching them. Is appealing to their will to say no to ungodliness. So he's telling everyone, and you and I, when we heard it, as long as we're born again, when we heard it, we said, yes, we receive that invitation and we accepted Jesus Christ into our lives. But we need to understand, like we read in our scripture reading, those who are listening to this on audio or watching the video, we read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and then we read from verse 9 to 21 in our reading for the scripture reading for today. You can read the entire Romans chapter 12. It will help you. But Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Let's read that together. He said, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may what? Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, you have a will, but God has a perfect will as well. It takes a quickened mind to understand the perfect will and to be willing according to that perfect will. But when we rely on the Holy Spirit, he helps us. You see, when you, when you do your own will, you can continue to live. But when you do the perfect will of God, you enjoy divine peace. You enjoy rest. You enjoy fullness. Because you are in the perfect will of God. Philippians 2 verse 12. He said, therefore my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your 
own salvation with fear and trembling. That is to say, make every effort that you are following the will of God, even though you are now saved and you still have your willpower. Work out your salvation. Work out your salvation there doesn't mean you are doing the works of the law. Because a lot of people have felt that that means that you have to be walking, walking your salvation. That's not what it means. It simply means you are making a conscientious effort every time to submit your willpower to God. You are working it out. His ways are not our ways. So we don't naturally think like he thinks. So when you think, you ask God, Lord, is this how you are thinking? In quote. When you are about to take a decision, you ask for his perfect will. He said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, verse 13. Because when you rely on him, verse 13 says, for it is who? God, the Holy Spirit, who works in you, both to do what? To will and to do for his good pleasure. He works in you. He works in your mind. He works within your willpower. Within your willpower, your decision-making center. Many times when God calls us to do an assignment for him, you check the entire scripture. Most of the people God called felt inadequate. So they did not want to will it. But the moment they aligned with the walking of the spirit on the inside, they said, let it be. Mary said, how can this be? She started to argue. My logic say it can't happen. I have not known a man. Mary, the mother of Jesus. And then when the Holy Spirit showed her, when God showed her that the Holy Spirit was going to be at work, he said the spirit of the Most High will overshadow you. And then something will be conceived on your inside. And he said that, and and immediately she heard that, she said, well, let it be unto me according to your word. Gideon, go to everyone. Gideon, Samuel, everyone God called had to submit their will to God. You heard during the week, Pastor Moses was sharing with us, I think it was Friday morning, in the morning prayers. And again, if you don't join the morning prayers, please join. Many times what we share Monday to Friday can go a long way in helping you to understand the topics better. And he was sharing how the will of Samuel became activated when Samuel grew. Samuel was hearing in the flesh originally. So he thought it was Eli. But it was a voice from the spirit. So his spirit man had to be quickened. And then a man, Eli, the priest, had to teach him and said, now, the next time he speaks, he said, you speak to him. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Hallelujah. So you need to determine how to let your willpower yield to the will of God for your life. Many of us did not intend, and I'm saying this in a very interesting way now. If you ask many people who are married to the people they are married to today, it was not originally the persons they planned. Only very few people saw that person the first time and that was it. And that's it. Most other people did not imagine that they would be married. And they, now they've been married five years, ten years, some twenty, thirty years. Hallelujah. Because that's the will, that was the will of God. But they did not know it at that time. But the moment they allow God to just orchestrate things and let things happen, they start to find that in that place is peace. May your life continue to be peaceful. Don't forget, it is the God of peace that sanctifies you. And makes you blameless so that you can have peace. And that will continue to be your portion. In the name of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 5. Our willpower however is to exercise this strengthening as we move the word of God. We need to be applying the word of God. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 13. He said for everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe. He is a child. 
when he's just looking at the things that are base and elementary, he continues to be like a babe. But the Bible says that solid food, verse 14, solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is those who by reason, verse 14 please, that is those who by reason have used their senses exercised to discern between good and evil. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. They can choose between good, choose between good and evil because they have exercised their senses. You know the way, you know how you exercise your muscles. You subject it to things that would naturally stretch its limits. You exercise your, the muscles of your heart by jogging, by doing those exercises that will get your heart to pump more blood than it ought to. So when you are doing those things physically, you must learn as well. That is the same way you must exercise your understanding of the word of God. You apply it, you pray, you use scripture, and you look at the outcome consistently. You stretch your faith. You stretch your faith. Don't always go for the easy options. Look at those things that will stretch your faith. Look for those things that will, that will mean that you are, you are holding on to God. You are training your senses so that the more you exercise it, the more you understand easily between good and evil. Because you are training yourself. The Bible says that is when you eat solid food. The full of age there is not talking about Kronos age. It's not. It's not talking about age full of time. Otherwise, every 60 year old would have been very, very wise. Because they have lived for 60 years. <laughs> it's not talking about that. It's talking about exegesis. This way of taking the word of God. Reading it. And, and, and using it. Reading it. And using it. Meditating on it. And using it as the sword of the spirit. Those who use it to pray. And see results come to pass. Those who stand on the word of God. And the promises of God. And encourage others. And boldly tell people that it would work. Hallelujah. Don't stay in a comfort zone. If you want your willpower to be developed and sharpened. If you want your willpower to be developed. To know how to choose between good and evil. You must be on the exercise prowl. You must continue to exercise. And exercise the things of God. You exercise in prayer. You exercise by prophesying. God puts a word of prophecy in your mouth. He puts a word of knowledge in your mouth. Go ahead. Don't hide it. Give it out. When God leads you to speak to somebody and to tell them, I sense that this is what, I perceive that this is what is happening around you. And it's like, maybe you don't know what to do. Don't say, oh, they will feel offended if I say that. No, no, God is the one prompting you. Just go in the strength of that thing and declare that word. Hallelujah. Because that is how you exercise. And God begins to give you solid food that gives you greater capacity to know how to discern between good and evil. And then very quickly, let's move to the intellect. So the willpower must be quickened so that we can keep knowing how to discern between good and evil. You see, the, uh, in the power tower, I was quoting the scripture that said that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. Not everything evil always appears like evil at the beginning. As a matter of fact, most evil things appear good. They put on the form of the angel of light. They put on the form of the good things. But when God is not in it, there is a way your willpower would have been so developed that when you approach it, the spirit of God, you can hear very clearly, very easily to say to you, that is not the way. 
And at times, the very thing that God is in does not look it. And so it, it, it takes the willpower that understands how to hear God to say, even though it doesn't look it now, I'm still going for it now. Hallelujah. This is why we must understand that it is important. Now, let's go to the intellect. The intellect is our creative and reasoning center. Now, these are just my own definitions. You can find all kinds of definitions about intellect in the, in the dictionary, I'm sure. This is our creative and reasoning center. We must understand that it is important for us to know how to be a people who rely on God in our creativity. The intellect of man is strengthened by the word of God. Psalms 19 verse 7. The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The word converting there also refers in some translations, it says it's reviving the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect. And the more we submit ourselves, the law of the Lord means the word of God. The more we submit ourselves to the word of God, the more it converts our soul. The more it stimulates our intellect in righteousness. And then the testimony of the Lord is sure and it makes wise the simple. The humble continues to be wiser because they are stimulated. They are in an intellect. Uh, they, are, they, are, they are having their intellect stimulated by the law of the Lord, by the wisdom of God. And then the Bible says the statutes, verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Every Sunday here we pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may do what? Know that we may know that we may know. Hallelujah. What are the riches of his glory? Of the inheritance in the saints. So when you are living by a quickened intellect, your intelligence is not the ordinary intelligence of man. Listen friends, the ordinary intelligence of man is vast. This is why somebody who has never prayed to God once can still come out with scientific discoveries that are fantastic. Because the natural, naturally endowed intelligence of man is huge, is vast in itself. But it cannot save. It cannot save. I have heard many people, many times on social media, criticize Christians and people who encourage that we should be saved and born again and do the things of God. Say, how about those countries that, 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 that even say God does not exist, that are even persecuting Christians? Countries, of course, communist countries like China. How are they still building infrastructure and providing for their own? I've been to China a few times and I know that truly Chinese people are doing fantastic stuff. But that does not still take you to heaven. That does not mean that you are saved. And we, 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 we find in, in, in many of those countries where it seems as if, and then people, David asked in Psalm 71, he asked a question. He said, I thought that, what is happening here? I, I, I saw people who don't revere God in any way. I see that they are doing great things. He said, what is it? What is it? He said, until I went to the sanctuary, then I saw that, oh, their end is not as good as what it ought to be. So let us understand that somebody rides a big car or somebody ha can run a big company or a corporation or a nation is building great things and doing well, in quote, and have a disregard for God doesn't mean that they have an intellect that is approved of God. They only are operating in the expanse of the intelligence of man. What makes the perfect intellect is Psalm 
19, as we read it, verse 7. He said, the law of the Lord, the law of the Lord is perfect. Anything outside the law of the Lord is imperfect. Whilst we celebrate and thank God for those breakthroughs in medical sciences and those discoveries of technology and those things that give us a comfort of life today, we use them. We use them. I don't care if it's a non-believer that manufactures this microphone I'm using. I like it. <laughs> I don't care who made it. I don't care. That doesn't bother me. But I will use it to preach to the world. Hallelujah. I use it to preach to the world. So we can use those things, but it doesn't still mean that we must lose focus on the fact that the testimony of the Lord is the only thing that converts the soul. When your intellect is stimulated by the spirit, you reason differently. Your intelligence quotient cannot be measured with the matrices and the, the, the metrics of man. It can't be measured with the tools of man. Because you will not... They, they tried to... Jesus was reasoning that way. They brought a woman caught in adultery to him. Look at that trap. The law says this. What do you say? The law says stone her. What do you say? If he says stone her, they will say that he's wicked. If he says don't stone her, they will say he's against the law. Typically speaking, there is no chance you can wriggle out of that thing with natural intelligence. But the man who has the intelligence of the heavenlies, the man who has the intelligence of all intelligence, he just simply asked them one question. Jesus was partly Nigerian, I think. <laughs> because they say it's Nigerians that use questions to answer questions. <laughs> if there is anyone here that has never seen, throw the first stone. Hallelujah. That was just a joke, by the way. <laughs> Jesus is not a Nigerian. He's not an American. He's just Jesus Christ. He's the king of glory. Hallelujah. But we must understand this. That question, if you are, the, if you are here without a sin, be the first to throw the, sto throw the stone. That was it. They went away one by one, one by one. And then she, he asked the woman another question. Has anyone not condemned you? He said, no, Lord. He said, now, now spoke to her. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What am I trying to say here today? There is a way you need your intellect to be stimulated. There is a way you need your intellect. Many times, especially in this country, I have been thrown into, I attend meetings a lot. And I'm changing from one thing to the other. I'm moving from engineering to education to, to, to spiritual, to management. In, at times, within three hours, I have had four different meetings that have nothing to do with... You need an expert in each of those things. So if my mind is not working by the clock of God, it's impossible. Because I'm re one moment now, I'm talking scripture, reasoning scripture, and giving deep things, and we're discussing it. Then the next moment, we're talking very, very extensive things about engineering. And then the next moment, we're talking about things that have to do with education. You need an intellect that is not from this world to operate to the full capacity of God for your life. That is why you can be a doctor at the same time. You are a doctor, you are a medical doctor, everybody knows you as a doctor, but at the same time, you will operate very well as an IT consultant. I've seen one before. Wonderful stuff. Fantastic doctor. IT consultant at the same time. <laughs> Hallelujah. I saw another one. Fantastic doctor. Stockbroker at the same time. <laughs> and, a, and a pastor as well. So we limit ourselves when we don't allow our soul to be converted by the perfect law of God. The more you meditate on the word of God. The day I saw in scripture that a man called Noah built a structure that nobody had ever seen. For a circumstance that nobody had ever known. 
And we never heard that he went to any school. And God said, make it 50 cubits. And he understood. From that day, I said, ah, I limit myself. If, uh, if a man like that could operate like that, and we who have been educated, we who have all the tools, cannot even do half of those things. So we are limiting ourselves. There is an intellect that can come from on high. The law of the Lord makes it perfect. When you read the scriptures, it gives you more effrontery. You want to dare things. You want to believe God for things. And you are able to take bolder steps. I decree that your intellect will no longer be, it will no longer be limited. In the name of Jesus. Finally, our emotions. This is our action and reaction center. You see, emotionally unstable people are limited in many ways. When you are emotionally unstable, no matter how good you are with taking decisions in your willpower, no matter how good you are, I have seen many intelligent people, but with weak emotions, with very poor emotions, and it costs them favors, it costs them things. You must understand that your actions and reaction must be made perfect. The Bible says it is made perfect as we walk in the spirit. We read Galatians 5.16. It says, I said, why? I said then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Go to verse 22. And he began to say, but the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Verse 23 says, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Go back to verse 22, please. You see, when you are walking in the Spirit and you are allowing the Holy Spirit to make the fruit of the Spirit expressive through your life, you are able to supernaturally control your emotions to walk in love. You must understand this. It is the emotion of love that helps you to do the will of God. Because the Bible says God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Even while we were yet sinners, he loved us. We must understand that the same emotions can work, the same spirit can work through our emotions to help us to love, even where there is no reason to love. Many couples say, I will love him if he loves first. I will love her if he loves those, those, those nonsense. Utter nonsense. You release love. That is your work. Love is not what you should be looking for. It should be what you should be giving out. Don't be looking for love. Give out love. Give out love. If two people in a marriage give out love, then heaven on earth will exist. I have told you there is no marriage made from heaven. Those are coins of man. There is no marriage made from heaven. God told me, we month to my wedding. He said, son, there is no marriage made in heaven. He said, wise couples only walk with me to make a heaven of their marriage. I called my bride-to-be. I said, this is what God has told me. Let us make a paradise of this marriage. Let's work together to make it a paradise. So don't get to any point in your marriage and think something is wrong with you and the other people have it better. They are working hard to make it work. You need to know how. If you are not stimulated by the fruit of the spirit of love, you cannot walk in that realm. Then it talks about joy. It talks about joy. Joy is an emotion that has disregard for circumstances. It never said happiness. Happiness depends on happenings. Joy has disregard for whatever is happening. It comes from the spirit. 
when you operate by joy, regardless of what is happening around you, you walk above that realm of distortion and all those kind of things that make people afraid. From today, you will walk in joy. I say your emotional disposition will be that of joy. In the name of Jesus. But some people will say, but pastor, what if the situation around me doesn't warrant for joy? And then after all, the Bible says, a mourn with those who mourn. <laughs> because brethren, no matter what you say, they will find scripture to tell you something. So before you ask me that question, I will tell you, yes, we mourn with those who mourn. But you can be joyful even in mourning. How does that happen? When you are mourning, and when you are mourning with the person who is mourning and you are showing them sympathy, give them the scriptures, comfort of scripture. That is a man full of joy. <laughs> you need to know how to walk <laughs> in the emotion. So when you have joy, it doesn't mean you are not empathizing or sympathizing with others, but you are still in control of the situation. And we can go on and on. Every one of the fruit of the spirit is a release of an emotion that keeps you on top all the time. When you are walking in gentleness, you will not be so easily irritated. So easily irritated. I have been praying for many years. God told me, he said, son, if you will be limited, if you are going to do what I'm calling you to do, he told me this about 10 years ago. He said, if you are going to do what I am calling you to do, you have to learn to be gentle. I didn't have patience though before. I didn't, you talk nonsense to me, I tell you. <laughs> you just talk it once, I give you back. What do you mean? Who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> Hallelujah. And then I'll pray, God bless you. Let's go. <laughs> No chance for a waste of time. But God said to me, he said, son, if you are going to do what I'm calling you to do, you have to learn to be gentle. You have to learn to be patient. And I began to apply myself to it. And I found that that is where there is peace. Where you don't react because somebody, and I'm not just, I don't just react for sake of it. I hate it when anybody wants to, you know, put the name of the Lord in, 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 in disrepute or do something that is against my God. I didn't used to like it. So he told me, he said, you are not my advocate. I did not send you to straighten out everybody. I sent Jesus once. I don't need to send another person to be straightening out people. <laughs> That's a conversation between me and God. And it has been helping me today. So when somebody comes my way and they're trying to, I just remind myself, I'm not sent to straighten out anybody. My own is to love them. Hallelujah. And this is how when we live like this, we continue to see the fruit of the spirit. You see the emotion, our emotional life must truly be sanctified. For us to enjoy a quickened soul, we need to continue to allow this divine exchange, this divine exchange, this constant change, renewal of our mind. The Bible calls it being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So your mind was renewed yesterday, you bring it out again today for a new renewal, for a fresh renewal, a fresh revival. Romans chapter 8 verse 5, it said, for those who live according to the flesh, Continue to set their minds on the things of the flesh. For those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. May we live according to the spirit. In the name of Jesus. Verse 6 says, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and, again you see the word peace. Life and peace. Verse 7. It said, because the carnal mind is what? Enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law, nor indeed can be. When a mind is refusing to be uh, transformed, it remains carnal, and the Bible says that is enmity against God. You and I will not be enemies of God. Amen. I say we will not be enemies of God. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We need to have this understanding as I bring this to a close. I'll read Mark chapter 8. 
We need to have this understanding. This is our hallmark. A quickened soul is our hallmark of true discipleship. Mark chapter 8 verse 34. He said, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever, whoever desires to come after me, let him do what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Verse 35. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Or for the gospel's sake will save it. Hallelujah. Verse 36. Verse 36. Let's read it together loud and clear. What's happening to the screen please? Verse 36. Again. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Verse 37. Or what? Verse 37. Verse 37. Okay. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Hallelujah. Very important for us to understand. Our soul is everything. Our soul, the Bible says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? He used the worldly system to, to, to take all the decisions of life that he wanted to take. He used the worldly system to reason and to plan his life. And he has a thriving business. And then he's gaining so much. He's using the worldly system to read and study. And he's intellectually stimulated by the worldly system. And he's using the worldly system to relate with people. Walking in things that, that look like love, but they are not love, but they are just infatuation and lust and some kind of thing that looks spiritual, but there's no spirit in it. The Bible says, what will it gain such, what will it profit such a man if he should gain the whole world, but at the end he's going to lose his own soul? The transformed soul is a soul that yields to God. Very recently, I had an experience, a couple of experiences within a couple of weeks that really touched me about the soul of man. About two weeks ago, we heard somebody won the jackpot. From time to time, you hear these things. His jackpot was about 71 million euros or something like that, or pounds, I can't even remember. And uh, they were interviewing him on the radio, and he kept on saying, you know, they said, what will you do now? And he said, I'm just going to buy this and buy that, and I've changed this car, and also I'm going to employ many people. He was just talking, talking, talking. And as he was talking, I was reminded... Of the story of that man in Luke chapter 12, verse 16. The Bible says this, the certain, I mean, I'm happy for him, but somehow I remember that story. He said the certain, Jesus speaking in Luke 12, 16. He said the, the grounds of a certain rich man brought forth plenty. And he said to myself, he said, I don't even have room to contain all these things anymore. He said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my bands and build new ones. And I will fill it up and then I will say to my soul, soul. <laughs> sit down, enjoy yourself, rejoice, and be merry. And then Jesus said, God said to that man, he said, you fool. He said, for today, your soul will be required of you. May we not be like that. In the name of Jesus. And I pray for that man. The truth is, we have seen people win over 30 million before and go back to picking the beans on the streets. Haven't you seen it in this same country? So people think that there is a kind of money that can come your way that you can never be poor again. If you take God out of it, you have removed every form of mercy. <laughs> Hallelujah. May God continue to guide us in Jesus' name. But at the same time, I was very encouraged. I see Brother Keith today. It's good to see you. 
and uh, Sister Jenny. I saw, the, I saw him today and I was reminded again of a story. The meeting we had last, I think I texted you about it. And um, a, Keith is putting together a team for a very special event. You'll be hearing about it in due course. And uh, we were sat around the table and two veterans were there. One of them was Dr. Tony Stone. I first heard about Dr. Stone when I came to this country newly, and I met him once at All Nations, around about 2001, very briefly, never saw him again. And at that time, he said he was retiring. (laughs) This was almost 20 years ago. And he said something at the end. He said, you know, I just want you guys to know this, that I may not have all the energy to run around and do everything now, but ask me for any counsel. And then when it's closer to the time, give me assignments and I will do it. This is an 82-year-old man, still willing to run. And as he was speaking, I was reminded of the biblical Caleb, who said to Joshua, remember how it was when it was with us 40 years ago. Give me now this mountain. Hallelujah. It is a quickened soul that continues to function in realms that people cannot understand. How can you at 82 still be willing to do the things that 40, 50-year-olds are even struggling at times to do? My God will quicken your soul. I say my God will quicken your soul. No matter how long you live this earth, your soul will continually be quickened by God. You will want to do the things of God till the very last minute of your life. In the name of Jesus, this communion today is for a quickened soul. As you partake of it, rise to your feet. As you partake of it...